Welcome to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Nicole Bernard, and I'll be your host. I've been a small business owner for over 12 years, and I know how hard it is to market your business effectively. With all the tools out there, it can be confusing, and with all the tasks of running a business, it can be hard to find the time. In this podcast, I'll cover best marketing practices, essential tips and tricks to grow your business, and chat with other business owners to glean valuable information that they are using to crush their goals. So grab a glass and let's chat. Hey guys, and welcome back to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, I'm super excited to chat this week um, with this business owner because I was checking out her website. So awesome. I just love the energy. Her name is Candice Coppola, and she's an author, coach, and purpose pioneer. So thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I can't, and I can't wait to hear more about Barbados. Like, I've only seen pictures and seen like the Friends episodes about Barbados. Oh yeah, it looks so amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. You guys have to come. We have this new visa for 12 months where you have this visitor stamp, and you can come to Barbados and work remotely on your business and live here for 12 months. We're COVID free for now. And so, yeah, if you've been wanting to just kind of try something new, yeah. we got our doors are open for you. Oh, that is amazing. I had no idea about the visa. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm really excited that they're doing it because we're obviously like tourist, very tourist dependent. So mm-hmm. being able to sort of think outside the box is necessary in these crazy weird times. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, how much more of it like can't get better than that. Working remotely from there, I imagine. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't ship you any champagne over there, but um, yeah, um, I hear you had some, so that's good. (laughs) Yes. I had a mimosa earlier. I can't have too many because I have a meeting after this, but after that meeting, I might have another. Yeah. Yeah, No, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Mimosas are like the perfect balance when I have early ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. Um, yeah, let's dive right in. Um, so how long have you had your business, you know, and how, who does it help? You know, like, what is it? Give us all the juicy details. Sure. So I've been an entrepreneur for almost 13 years now. I started my first business when I was 26 years old. I was the most unlikely person to ever start a business, <laughs> which I feel like most entrepreneurs kind of consider themselves like unlikely mm-hmm. business owners in a lot of ways. And so I got my feet wet with my first business weddings. I was a wedding planner and designer for 12 years. I had a multi-country, multi-six-figure business, a team. I was planning weddings all over the world. I wrote two books. It was a a whirlwind experience, lots of gray areas in between, lots of Mm -hmm. bright spots too. And while I was building that business, I was simultaneously coaching wedding pros on how to build their business. So for about eight years of owning that business, I was helping other business owners in the industry. It's such a unique industry. It's kind of a Mm -hmm. tricky industry for people to really make money and create wealth. And so I had figured out the formula and I was helping other wedding pros build their business and have the same level of success that I was so fortunate to have. And in 2019, October last year, I sold my business and I decided to do this full-time. So I'm a, a full-time coach for wedding pros, and I help those in the wedding industry build a profitable business with purpose. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, like you said, it was being so tricky, it must be so amazing to have a mentor to show them the ropes mm-hmm. and bypass all of that. 
For sure. I mean, it's an easy industry to get into because there's not a huge barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are fascinated by weddings and parties. And so whether you're picking up a camera or you're picking up a clipboard, no matter what sort of uh, niche you're entering in into the industry, it's an easy industry to get into, but it's a really difficult industry to make money. And I mean like Mm -hmm. big money. So most people enter the industry and they're just kind of at a loss of what to do. And I think in the online space, there's so much noise. So people start going down all these crazy rabbit holes and different pathways Mm -hmm. and they really get tripped up. And so we try to simplify things for people and make it easy for them to grow their business. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Is that what your books are about or what are your books about? Yeah, that's a great question. So I wrote two books, The White Dress and Color and The White Dress Destinations, and they are both coffee table books. And our second book, really has more information about how to plan a destination wedding. So they serve two audiences, those couples who are getting married and want to plan a wedding. And then of course the industry too. There's a lot of knowledge and info you can get on planning and designing and creating a wedding. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, I love coffee table books. They're so pretty. Me too. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I'm glad that you touched on that too, that you serve, you know, that they they serve two different audiences because that was Mm -hmm. kind of what our topic was going to be today, like a little bit of different. Usually I just do like all interview style, but um, this is awesome. I can't wait to dive into this because I know my listeners are going to love it. Like, you know, how do we find our ideal customers? And like, do you have Mm -hmm. tips and how you did it? And, you know, all of that. Oh yeah. So this is one of the biggest things that people get tripped up about in business. And Mm -hmm. the number one reason why businesses fail, I don't care what industry you're in. So this, if you're not a wedding pro, don't tune out because (laughs) this is, this is um, applicable to any industry in any niche, in any business. The number one reason why businesses fail is they don't know who they're talking to. They don't know who their ideal customers are. So in the first 18 months, so many people go out of business, eight out of 10 people. It's really important that you nail your niche, that you know who your ideal customers are so that you can show up and serve them in the way that they're expecting you to serve them. So the biggest biggest, biggest thing that you need to know about your ideal customers is not like what kind of music they like, what kind of champagne they're drinking, like all those fun facts that people love to think about Mm -hmm. for their ideal customers. Those are great ways for you to create connection points with them. But what you really want to know is what their problem is, what their real true problem is and what they want life to look like after that problem gets solved for them. So once you can understand their problem and what life looks like for them after that problem is solved, you can build a business around solving that problem for your customers. I love it. I totally agree. Yeah, people want that transformation. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they don't necessarily want all the logic in the middle, they want to be able to picture themselves on the other side, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, so there's this great quote that I bring up all the time. It's not mine. It's Seth Godin's. And Mm -hmm. if any of the ladies I mentor are listening to this, are going to be like, here she goes again. But it's so true. Uh, People people don't buy paint. They buy painted walls. And so when you're thinking about what it is that you do, whatever space you're in, whatever you do for people, I want you to recognize that people focus on the transformation. They focus on that painted, wall, that wall they found on Pinterest that they now want to like transform their guest room into. So when they head down to Home Depot or Lowe's or Berger Pades or wherever the heck they're going, 
they're not going there to buy a can of paint with ingredients in it and a label on it and all the other junk they sell you in the paint aisle that you believe you need (laughs) to have in order to paint the wall. They're going there with that picture in mind. And I want you to really start thinking about what picture is your customer finding that they want? And then how do your products, how do your services that they would purchase help to bring them to that end result, that transformation? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So how, like, what would you, what, what advice would you give to, you know, now that we know their problem, we know transformation, Mm -hmm. how are you going to connect to them and resonate and kind of start moving them, you know, along, you know, in that relationship? Yeah. So you really have to start speaking your ideal customer's language. And this is where people get tripped up too. We overcomplicate copy so much. Yes. (laughs) We try to say so much to our ideal customers that we confuse the heck out of them. And so this is a great time for you to sort of cleanse your copy. I'm kind of working on this with the women in my mastermind right now. So this is really timely. It's a, it's a good time to start cleansing your copy of all of the filler BS stuff mm-hmm. that you keep saying to your customers and start connecting with them directly. And a great way for you to do this is to actually look back at your previous customers and look at what they told you about what their problems were that they needed solved. Mm -hmm. And then any testimonials that they wrote about your service. So let's take this in two parts. The first part is the inquiry. So no doubt by now in business, you have a good collection of inquiries from people who are inquiring. And anybody who is reaching out to you is absolutely stating what their problem is. And they're Mm -hmm. asking you if you're the solution. They may not say, my problem is X and are you the solution? But in so many words, that's what they're saying to you. So I recommend that you go back through all of those inquiries that you've gotten over the last six months, year, or even farther back, if you've been in business a while, Mm -hmm. and really take a look at what people are saying to you. Also develop some kind of system going forward so that you can kind of pick apart these inquiries and do some data mining as people reach out to you in the future so that this information is always handy for you to use and to understand as your customers' problems evolve and as they change. So check your inquiries first to see what people are really telling you. Read between the lines. Mm And then also check your testimonials. So if, first of all, if you're not asking people to rave about how awesome you are, you need to. And what you will find is that people in the testimonial they write for your business will tell you what problem they had that you solved and what life is like for them after you solve that problem. And we do this all the time when we write really good reviews for other people. So you've done this when you've written a testimonial, let's say for Nicole's podcast, which you should definitely go and leave a review (laughs) today after listening to this episode. (laughs) But even when you go on Amazon and buy like a product that changes your life, whether it's like a a zucchini spiralizer or like some kind of crazy skincare that you bought – you go and you leave a glowing review. You mention the problem that you had and how that product or that service solved your problem. Well, your customers are doing the same in their testimonials with you. Now, what you can do as you look at these inquiries and these testimonials is literally lift their very words and start using those words in your marketing. So not just having their testimonial on your website, but actually showcasing those problems and speaking to your audience in your various channels, whatever those look like, podcast, Instagram, Pinterest, blogging, like wherever you're at, you can start level, level uh, leveraging their exact words and speaking their exact words 
out loud to future customers. You don't have to pretty up their words. You don't have to add anything to their words. You can literally lift what they're saying and repeat it out into the universe to your customers and start attracting people who identify with those words. I love that. I mean, that is so important. I'm so glad that you shared that because it was such an easy way of explaining it. And, you know, mm-hmm. people can start using that immediately. Like the list, yeah. like, that's amazing. And I think yeah. cause I love to, like I, a lot of my clients, I'm like, we, we need to get a little more testimonials, you know? And they're like, uh, you know, I don't want to ask, but usually like nine times out of 10, when you ask people are like, oh my God, yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Why didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't do it before, you know? And I like people totally want agree. to do it. Yeah. And then being able to use that and to really connect, I mean, that's just, that's such a game changer. It is a game changer. Listen, people want to see themselves in whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah. So the best way for them to do that is to show the results that you were able to give people just like them. Mm-hmm. Themselves in those results. And that will be sort of the trigger or the catalyst or the tipping point that will encourage them to reach out to you to see if you are the unique solution to their crazy problems. So testimonials are so important. And don't be bashful. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess we all sometimes suffer from this. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to ask. You know, I've done, they, they've paid me already and I just don't want to ask. Get your butt in somebody's email box and ask them to write you a testimonial. And I think you should go a step further and have a little system for this so that you can easily collect testimonials from your audience, from your customers, and make it pretty easy for them to give you testimonials. So whether that's a type form or a Google form, and what you want to do is actually ask people specific questions, right? So when we leave testimonials open-ended, they're going to say, Nicole was great. I just love her. She was so, so giving and helpful. And I'm so glad I worked with her. Mm -hmm. That's a great, that's great. And we love that, but we actually need to like go a little bit deeper so that our customers can see themselves in the person who Nicole got results for. So we want to ask some really specific questions like, what were you struggling with before you reached out to me? And what was I able to help you overcome? Or what results did you get from working with me? And encourage people to say real results, like I increased my revenue by 50%, or I was able to clear up my acne. Whatever those real results are, you want to draw them out. You can also ask people, what would you say to somebody who wants to work with me? What advice would you give them? And this is great because it's they're speaking to your ideal customer, aka another version of themselves, Mm -hmm. speaking to them directly. And what you can do is leverage all these answers in a variety of different ways. It's great data for you to use in the future, but you can also start to take these testimonials and create different variations of what somebody said and put that in all different places where you live on the internet. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it kind of goes back to what you said, you know, not confusing people, not saying so much. So if we're able to pull, like extract these details out and use that exact verbiage, it's going to cut that confusion out. Absolutely. And you want your copy, you want everything you say to be clear and concise and Mm -hmm. we can flower up. We believe that we have to say all of this in order to really land somebody. Like we have to hammer them over the head, over the head with value. I've been guilty of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> of course, we all have. Um, we overcomplicate what's very simple. You get people results in some way. So I'm going to encourage you to try to say what it is that you do in eight words or less. I help wedding pros build profitable businesses with purpose. That's what I do. I want you to craft some kind of statement that really knocks people over the head of who you are, who you help, and what you do in as few words as possible. It takes some time though. It's not as easy as it sounds, but keep trying to experiment, figure it out. It doesn't have to be perfect. It'll never be perfect. But as long as you just keep trying and experimenting and listening to your customers, you will eventually come to a place where it all becomes super clear. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That makes makes so much Mm -hmm. sense. And it just makes everything so much more efficient because you know you kind of know who you're talking to, what you're trying to say, what their problems are, and it makes it more effective. So, I mean, we all need more efficiency and effectiveness in our business, you know? Yeah. People don't have time to sort of read through your grandiose origin story and like all these bullet points that you offer like a million and a half things. Like people don't have time to read through that. And it's also really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So you want to simplify, 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 and less is more. So the less you say, the more re- the more results and the more sales you're going to land, I promise. Yeah. I just wrote a huge note to myself with stars and it's like update services page because <laughs> it's so long right now. Because <laughs> I just feel like, you know, again, too, and I've, I've talked to other business owners, it's like, why well, I want to share everything that I'm going to do just so they know, but they don't really care. They just like, they, I mean, I'm not saying they don't care, but it's more painting that, tra- like that picture of the transformation instead of like, I'm going to do, you know, Google search console. I'm going to do keywords. Like that doesn't really, that's not super effective. (laughs) No, you're going to get them customers from Google and they're going to rank. That's what you're going to do. So a story, when I launched my mastermind for the first time is the first time I ever launched a group program or any kind of program. Right. So I had spent two years like learning everything about this whole online space. Okay. While I was still the owner of my previous company and I finally launched my mastermind. And when I tell you that I was of the belief that I had to show them every single thing that they were going to get inside of this incredible program, it overcomplicated things so much and it confused people. Mm -hmm. What I learned, and this is applicable to any business is that you want to show the transformation, the result that your services get. And do yourself a favor. Don't list out every bullet point, every ingredient that makes up that transformation. Surprise and delight your customers with sort of pop-up things that they didn't expect that you were going to do for them, but lead to that transformation. It just creates this crazy atmosphere with you and your customer where they just love you. They can't believe how accessible you are, how awesome you are, how you're just going above and beyond. So you don't have to sell all the ingredients, sell the transformation, sell obviously a few very important things like the boundaries, how many calls or how many mm-hmm. how many emails or things like that. But at the end of the day, leave some things to surprise and delight your customer with. Oh, I love that. Because that just, I mean, that creates raving fans, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, yeah. Oh, yay. Oh, this has been amazing. Thanks for sharing all this. I can't wait for everybody to hear this episode. Me too. (laughs) Um, So a little bit more, like, just have another, like, question. um, You know, like, what is your favorite or most effective way that you market your business? 
Yeah. So I am on just a few channels, right? I was under this belief that I had to be like in all the places. And then I was like, who has time for this? Like I don't. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite ways to market my business is Instagram. So I love having conversations there. And I've really made it a point over the last two years to create relationships there. So I want to be the support system for people. I want to be the biggest cheerleader. So when somebody follows me, I follow them back and I follow all their work. I'm leaving Mm -hmm. comments. I'm liking, I'm engaging, not because I want their money, because I really want to support them. And I know what it's like to put your things out there in the internet and to hear crickets or not to hear any sort of affirmation or feedback. So I try to be the person as much as I can, who's always liking every photo in the feed (laughs) and always trying to be supportive and just kind of being like, I see you. I see you out there. I see you work. I see your work and I appreciate it. So I love Instagram and I also, I, I love my podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I love Instagram. It is such a, it is such a great place to build relationships. Like it really it is. is. Um, mm-hmm. I've met so many people that I would have never met, you know, in real life, just based on, you know, we don't live anywhere close to each other, um, that I've really like created relationships with. And it's just so amazing. Like, I just remember when I was a kid growing up and it was like, oh my God, AOL chat rooms, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this crazy internet thing. And like, now it's like normal life. <laughs> I know. I remember being in AOL chat rooms and like arguing about like, I remember I was in college and George Bush was running for president and I was in chat rooms like going crazy and like arguing with people. (laughs) Nothing has changed. That's right. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's just changed like to social media from AOL. (laughs) (laughs) Totally true. My husband, he just bought a mountain bike the other day and I had to send some money. He gave me the guy's email address and it was an AOL email address. And I was like, people still have these? I didn't even know AOL still existed. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder when he logs in, if it's like, you've got mail. Right. (laughs) We used to be so excited to hear that, right? And now we're like, oh my God. I I know. Now a notification. You're like, no, I don't want to. so funny. I know. Um, So do you have, okay. So yeah, like you said, you um, like pictures, you know, you're engaging because it is Mm -hmm. scary, you know, sometimes putting stuff out there and like, you know, sometimes it's out of our comfort zone or it's like, Oh, I just put that up. Oh my God. Why did I do that? Um, like, do you have any examples of like how you get out of your comfort zone to grow your business? Yeah. I just stopped caring about results. Like, so I stopped caring about metrics and people liking it or, 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 you know, all that vanity metric stuff. I just stopped caring Mm -hmm. for a long time. I cared about how many followers I had, if I was growing, if I was getting more likes and I had to release that and just be like, who cares? If 30 people like my photo, that's 30 people who put some energy into me Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful. And it doesn't, define my capabilities, my worth, how popular I am. And so I I stopped allowing that to feed my ego or be a blow to my ego. And I just started having fun on social media. I just started to, you know, really release all the pressure. And when I show up, it's because I have something to share that I think is really relevant um, or I think is fun. And then I get off and, mm-hmm. and go about my, my day. So I just freed myself up from all of those crazy feelings that we have that are attached to social. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. I recently have just started doing that. Cause yeah, I guess, you know, and especially like I look at analytics all the time for my clients and for myself. And so it's, it's easy to get like really caught up into that, but then mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of try to take a step back and just be like, and it's that's such a relief when you're kind of like, 
oh, who cares? Really? You know, like there's a point to this and I'm not just throwing anything up, but I don't know, having that pressure of like, who's going to respond when you let go of that just makes it so much more fun. And it actually see like, I'm seeing better results now that I'm not so worked up of like what I'm trying to put up. You know what I mean? Me too. Like there there was a time where I'd put a photo up and if people didn't like it right away, I would take it down and wait for a better time. So it'd get more traction. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so stupid. I mean, if we could really look at that, it's just so silly to be so wound up and anxious and have anxiety. What are people going to think? Nobody liked my photo and right. who cares, honestly. So at the end of the day, I just stopped caring. And what I noticed was that I really enjoyed the people who did interact with me and I was able to focus my energy on them. Yeah. Yeah. So much more meaningful. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, so do you have any little bit of advice for how business owners can get out of their comfort zone? Yeah, I think that you just have to, you know, kind of take a look at your expectations and look at the Mm -hmm. end result. If you're using social media to really deeply connect with people so that you can serve them, then use it in that capacity. If you're looking to become the next Rachel Hollis, where you have 1.8 million followers, (laughs) then you're going to be on a different track. But I think most of us are looking to carve out a space for ourselves and a name for ourselves, but also serve people really well while we do that. Mm -hmm. So I think you just have to take inventory of your expectations and your priorities and know that people are listening. And if you're really starting out, it's a, it's the long game. It's about consistency. Mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, you're not going to get a thousand followers in a week. It's going to take some time. So you've got to give things time to grow, things to root, to use garden analogies, which I think are so applicable in business. (laughs) Um, you have to nurture things and give them time and space to grow. Yes, totally. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, sometimes a lot of times when I talk to business owners, you know, they're, they're just like, well, I want to get this many followers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I, that's really, that's not almost, like, I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. <laughs> like it takes, I know. I mean, you know, and like you said too, if you're on there to connect and serve, and I think a lot of people forget that aspect of it. And that's when you really start to see the results, when you really are on there to serve them and help them with that problem, you know, that we were talking about earlier. What are they struggling with? Um, Not so much like promote, promote, promote. And so, yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. And listen, if you had 400 followers and they were all your ideal customers and they were all qualified buyers, whether they were buying today or next year, but they were all qualified and you were nurturing them and, and serving them and sharing more about yourself and listening to them, that's a lot better than having 40,000 people who could care less and who just follow you because they're hate following you or they're following you, but they're never going to purchase from you. So you have to put it into perspective. Yes. People there, people have multi-million dollar businesses and they don't have the kind of followings that you would think they should have based on the numbers. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, all right. We're to your favorites. Um, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Um, what's your favorite book? I have a few, but I would say probably The Great Gatsby. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't yeah. read that in forever. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen, didn't they come out with a movie of it like in recent years too? I don't think oh, I've. Long time ago. Oh, yeah, was it a long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. It was, it, was a lot, it was back in AOL chat room days, I feel like. Was it really? Oh, man. No, time flies. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite drink? Alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Whatever. Uh, people have said coffee, water, margaritas, just whatever is your favorite. 
Yeah. I love all types of beverages. Uh, definitely love coffee. Definitely love a good cocktail. My husband and I have been into making limoncello martinis recently. Mm. So that's top of mind for me. Yeah. That sounds nice and refreshing. That sounds like mm. the perfect summer drink. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. So question on the weather there. Like what is the weather year round? Is it kind of like a perpetual summer or is it like super hot or? Always summer. That's Always nice. summer. Yeah. It's 85 sunny, partly cloudy, maybe a sprinkling of rain, humid, but always summer. Oh man, 85. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's like the perfect summer weather. Like I'm from New Orleans and like summer is like, you know, 95 with like a hundred percent humidity. And that's just like, I can't yeah. live there anymore. <laughs> no, I know. It's so hot and so yeah. muggy and so sticky. Yeah. Ugh. Um, what's your favorite thing to do to relax? Read. Mm, that's a good one. I love reading. Um, what's your favorite thing to watch? Anything on Bravo, anything housewives, anything Vanderpump rules, anything trashy, trashy, trashy television. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I actually get that answer a lot on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you attract like-minded people. <laughs> yes. Um, what, and lastly, what, where's your favorite place to go? Home to my husband, but, um, I would say, yeah, home to my husband. Oh, that's awesome. And is he from Barbados or where are you from before that? Yeah, he's from Barbados. I'm originally from Connecticut. So I moved here. Okay. Yeah, in 2014 permanently to be with my husband. Yeah. Oh, that's so romantic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So where can everybody find you? What's your website, social media, all that? Sure. So I would love to connect with your listeners and please let me know if you follow me on social that you listen to today's episode. I'd love to follow you back and learn all about your business. You can learn more about me at candiscopola.com. It links to all the things, my podcast, the power in purpose, all my socials, the blog, all the things. Awesome. And it is such an awesome website, by the way. So everybody should go check it out. Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah. Much. <laughs> well, this has just been so much fun. Uh, I know you're super busy. So like, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for having me. I've had a lot of fun. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Well, until next week, guys.